so it, it's the morning after our collider event transfiguration ad number three and you know i thought it would be apropos to take a little bit of time to um run through an explanation about what you know is happening in our worship events because well a lot of times we don't have time to um you know just in like a little over two hour set to you know bring an explanation of a perception that that uh Stephen and I were, I myself may be going through during the worship set uh, because we move into the uh, the sermon and uh, communion and then we close out. And so I thought I'm going to give little talks or, you know, a short talk or a brief summary of what is happening up there, at least, you know, with myself and a perspective that may be helpful to you, to all of you. First off, I just need to I'm going to revisit a concept called the uh, triple entendre that we went through this last year and then used that as a lead-in to some of what goes on with us in worship. Last year, the Lord, you know, says during worship, says, like, I'm going to commit a triple entendre. And, you know, I, I didn't really know what that meant. And I can't say that I fully understand it still, except that the way he's explained it to me is, that when we come into corporate worship, what he's what he's looking for is us to move through a, a series of um, a human structure to come into a place of like relating to him. And so, I've written some of this out, and I'm just going to go through it with you and um, help maybe to describe, you know, what we're gaming for when we go into corporate worship. Um, number one, the Lord said, "I want to get beneath the what." the who and the why and uh, let me just kind of break this out what is a masculine feature that's related to uh, doing and it and it's based in ritual usually when men come up to each other uh, they'll say you know hey my name's this my name's that what, you know what do you do and that'll be the question <laughs> I've said a lot of times that that's a good question because um, what I do might not be something that someone would appreciate anymore. But anyways, let's say, what what do you do? And, you know, there'll be an exchange of vocation because a strong masculine feature is what based in doing this, based in the rituals that we do every day, i.e., you go from point A to point B, you get this kind of output, and that output produces so much um, byproduct of wealth or and you expended so much energy most men, that's their understanding is based in their work and the energy output that they put in to get uh, said uh, economic an economy out of it to give back to their families, uh, generally speaking. The, a layer, though, that's deeper than that is a feminine layer, and it's, it's based in the who of being. Uh, a lot of time when ladies come together, they relate based off of their relationship is based off of character or someone else's character and it's relayed in the area of ethics or morality and so again so men are relating mostly to what's and women are relating mostly to who's and when you get a you know a male and a female together i.e in marriage or in relationships that that's generally speaking the way we we relate uh in who's and what one of the things that was sort of a shocking surprise to me was when the Lord was like, when we got to the why am I, 
I want to go deeper than this. I want to go into the why. And why deals in an area called philosophy. So why is a question that goes before a who and even a what. It's really like the basis of motive and the basis that drives our ethics. And uh, if you go deep in a relationship, you eventually are going to get into why questions. I remember the Lord saying uh, during worship one Sunday, quit asking me why. And I, and I said, why? <laughs> you know, why would you say that? Uh, you don't trust me. And I realized that why a lot of it does have to do with trust. Why is in the uh, cosmology or the cosmic dimension? So let me just do this again. You have why, who, and what. So you have cosmic morals or ethics and rituals, the way we handle the what's every day. So again, if, if you're taking notes or like you're listening here, like go from, you would write cosmic moral ritual, or you could write why, who, or what. And then, so a lot of philosophy like Plato and Socrates and, you know, all the Hegel and all the different philosophers, they got into this structure of philosophical thought related to to the why. And they're trying to, like, break it down. And a lot of them, even like Nietzsche and different philosophers, they found right there at the why there was this basis of um, Nietzsche talked about something like beyond good and evil. He, uh, it's at the why that you actually find the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Plato, he would talk about the people who pursued pleasure, which would be a left-based understanding or a blue in our sense, and the ones who pursued power, right-based or red. Uh, left-based pleasure, younger brother, right-based power, older brother, and that we needed a wisdom that went beyond those those two. And so at the why, you find this tree of knowledge of good and evil. And if if you really like study it and understand it, you'll see that that was part of how Lucifer deceived Eve and then ultimately Adam and, you know, the fall happened. It happened at a, a philosophical question of why and making judgment. And so when the Lord shared this with Kara and then, you know, and then we wrote the, wrote the Weathermans and, or, or they responded to us when I'd, I'd said, Lord, if you're talking to me, have Brian Weatherman contact me and Brenda contacted Kara within 30 minutes and without us talking for five or six months, the Lord said, go to the YMI. And it was not, it was some time we had been there and Rafi Assad said, it's YMI. And I thought, man, that is really perceptive, Rafi. Uh, why am I? And what we started discovering in this triple entendre and, you know, the triple entendre being why, who, and what was that on the other side of that why question was the tree of life or I am. So now you have this like crossing of this barrier uh, and we've experienced this so much corporately. I mean, thank God we've experienced I am coming to the our environment because there's been a corporate uh, desire to move beyond the what that defines us, the who that defines us, and even the why that defines us because they're really seeking the face of God. That's no comfortable experience for any of us. It's very exposing because it exposes our what's that may need to be redefined. It exposes our who, which may need moralistically or ethically, we may need to be 
have our ethics shifted because some of our the way we've been living our life is not right but even more it's getting into our cosmological philosophical basis of judgment and reasoning and i think that that scares a lot of people i do think that a lot of people come into our environment and it sort of can run them off because exposure is not necessarily comfortable for any of us because when you you get into that that really deep sanctification principle in life you don't want to necessarily have your presuppositions exposed or you may not even know that you have presuppositions or you know another thing is you may not realize that the way that you think is um is not the way god thinks about things and because we've been marred by by the fall in our likeness which is a an aspect of god that's based in wisdom and especially in our image the beauty dimension, uh, you know, when the Lord restored Solomon, he restored him in likeness or wisdom, but he didn't restore him in image. And much of our people, all of us are really distorted in um, likeness and image. There's a long, complicated thing that I have, and I'd like to break it out for you sometime about the 31 kings in the conquest, nine in the southern kingdom that have to do with form and likeness, and then the 22 in the northern kingdom that have to do with image of which in our ministry right now what we're pioneering through we're in the going through the mem which is uh i believe it's the uh, 13th letter in the process of defeating these 31 kings of the human soul i really want to encourage all of you to have some kind of framework of understanding what we're going through at the collider so you stay the course of allowing yourself to be exposed as I am moves into the room and our presuppositions are blown apart. So with that being said, this is happening to us every week if we are actually worshiping the Lord uh, corporately. Now, I would suggest to you that you spend time with the Lord like this every day because there's an acceleration principle in sanctification that brings greater glory into your life. And honestly, I don't want you to miss out on that. I don't want to miss out on it with my family. Uh, we want to go after the Lord and, and have him redo our cosmology, our cosmic reality, our philosophy, our ethics, and our output, which has to do with the way we live our daily life and our rituals and what, what we do. Now, I think a lot of people, the reason why they have a hard time understanding me sometimes is because I speak from a, usually a cosmological perspective. And sometimes if I get into a place with the Lord, uh, you know, I'm, I'm coming up with words I don't even know. And it might take me sometimes a week or two weeks just to like unpack whatever he's saying on that stage. And, and so this past Monday, um, we started to come into like a place with the Lord that he says uh, to me, um, welcome to the expanse. And um, what really happened was he said, there's an issue with hemoglobin in the room. And I, and I said, man, I do not know what to do with that. Uh, so I look it up and hemoglobin has to do with the transportation of oxygen through the blood. And then he said to me, there's a fibrosis uh, going on in this environment. And I was kind of like holding that word because fibrosis, there's like, there's two different types of fibrosis. It, and it has to do with uh, your pulmonary system or your um, 
the way you breathe and take in oxygen, it transports it through the blood to the rest of your body. And fibrosis is some kind of like deformation in your breathing capacity or your pulmonary capacity to put oxygen back into the bloodstream, I think. Again, I would have to go and read the definitions and understand a little bit better. But as we began to, I got into that, you know, a place with the Lord Sunday and, I, and he says, you know, you've got to learn to breathe light. And you'll hear this in, if you listen to Transfiguration AD3, you'll listen to it in the worship that there's a, there's a new place of breathability or, uh, or the taking in of light into our beings in a new environment. And I said, Lord, what is this place called? And he, he said, this is the expanse. Well, um, I was like, I don't even know what that is. And so I was just going to go through just a, a little bit of this and see if uh, I can make sense out of it with you. The expanse is um, in scripture. There's so much different scholarship on the expanse. But my understanding of it is this, and I'm, I'm going to try to just go through some Bible verses related to it. The technical Hebrew word is Rakaya. I think that's how he's pronounced it, but it's R-A-K-I-A-H. And the Lord will, will say in Genesis, let there, and God said, let there be Rakaya or let there be an expanse. And in the midst of the waters, let it divide the waters from the water. Another word for expanse is firmament. And now understand with me, I'm speaking um, prophetically here, but I'm also speaking cosmologically. So back into that triple entendre, this is a cosmic or cosmology. Now, you say, Carol, I st- you know, I it's hard for me to understand you. This is a little bit of an indictment, but I'm going to say it to you because you need to hear it. When the Lord addresses Nicodemus, he says, if I say to you, you must be born again, and you do not understand that, and I can't speak of earthly things, how will you understand when I speak of heavenly things? So the Lord couldn't even take a major teacher like Nicodemus, who had sought him out by night to reveal himself to him. He couldn't even get off to a basis of understanding because Nicodemus was so earthbound and even struggling with that, that he couldn't relate to Jesus in a cosmological or heavenly place. It is a little bit of an admonition to us and an indictment in some sense, not to be like rude, um, to people who, who say, I don't get what you're saying at all. And I would say to you, where is your focus at? Is it so earthly that I can't speak to you heavenly things? Or are you digging in enough to really take time with the word of the Lord that's coming to you? I mean, you need to do this. God doesn't take a family like ours and yours and raise us up and put all these years of investment into us to come out with a word of the Lord for you, for you to just dismiss it or take it lightly or not consider what is being said to you by investigating. Be a good Berean. Take time with God's Word. Don't blow off these events we're in or these podcasts and count them as little to your life. They need to be brought into consideration because the Lord Himself is speaking 
through uh, his word to us. So again, back to the expanse. So God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening, and there was morning, and a second day. That's Genesis 1.8. Genesis 1.14, then God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. Genesis 1.17, God placed them in the expanse of the heavens to give light to the earth. And this is the stars, like the sun and the moon. Psalms 104.2, which I mentioned Sunday, you cover yourself with light as with a cloak. You stretched out the heaven or this like an expanse or like a tent curtain. Psalms 19.1, for the choir director, a psalm of David, the heavens are telling of the glory of God and their expanses declaring the work of his hands. Daniel 12.3, those who have insight will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse. And uh, no, Daniel 12 is getting here into something what we're going through together is moving out of plus negative. If you don't know what I mean by that, please go back and listen to the podcast, uh, especially leading up to Event Horizon and into Transfiguration AD. John's ministry being a, a place of plus and negative and Jesus is a place of plus plus. John says he must increase, I must decrease, but Jesus is going to say, he's going to say in John 17, Father, glorify me so that I may glorify you. And so uh, John, as amazing as he is, comes in the, the, uh, the spirit and the heart, the life of Elijah. And, but yet scripture says about him, it says that, that he was the greatest prophet born among women, but he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And so, you know, there, there has to be a recognition of that. Now, I'm not exactly sure where I, I lost track here, but I'm just going to go over this, this area here, Ezekiel 10, 1. And then I looked and behold in the expanse that was over the heads of the cherubim, something like a sapphire stone in appearance resembling a throne appeared above them. And notice that in the expanse that it was, over the heads of the cherubim that there appeared a sapphire stone or what appeared to be a throne. I've been keeping this Evernote file for some time and it's called Sapphire Throne and Home because I believe that when we rightly relate to the sapphire throne through the 22 letters, the 22 Hebrew letters, um, how do I explain this? 22 letters is like a waypoint guide in to go up to the sapphire throne. And in our ministry right now, we're in the, the 13th letter, the Mem. It's, it's like it was in the conquest because there's 31 kings. So there's nine phase, there's, there's 10 phases. There's nine phases or nine kings in the southern kingdom. And then there are 22 kings in the northern kingdom for a total of 31 kings. The first nine phases deal with your sonship all the way up to resurrection. But when you get into the 10th king, who will have the other 21 kings make uh, become confederate with him, these remaining 22 kings have to do with heirship. So it goes like this. When you're developing as a believer, you develop through a bridal paradigm, your sonship training, then your heirship training, then thronship training. So again, the first nine phases deal with sonship, 
the tenth phase, which has 22 ladders in it total, deals with your airship. And then you reach the place called the Sapphire Throne. And then the Sapphire Throne, or from that perspective, that spiritual perspective in the human soul, that cosmological perspective that I was speaking of earlier enters into your life and then it transmits to your home, your daily life. It goes back through uh, back through the why, the who, and the what. Now, if this is a little bumpy for you, don't understand, please ask me. I'll send you material. I have tons of podcasts. I got I got pictures I, that are drawn out of this to kind of help you with your your training. Why is this important to come up to a place called the expanse? Well, it's in my opinion that the expanse is like the place between when it's cut out. Well, it's not my opinion. It's scripturally written. They separated water from water. That I believe that it's the place where we see like in the Saturn V or Apollo project or the shuttle program when they were re-entering through the Earth's atmosphere that the expanse in the literal sense is that ring around the Earth that protects the atmosphere of the Earth from harmful solar radiation. That's a natural way of looking at the expanse. A spiritual way to look at it is it's the space between the second and the third heavens. And so in a spiritual sense, when you are out of the first heaven, which is our three-dimensional space, and you enter in through a silver lining into a fourth dimension, which is what we call the darkness or the blackness, it says that God cloaks himself in darkness. That's the place of the second heaven where the angels and uh, the demon and all that activity, fourth-dimensional activity happens, or a second heaven reality. You go through a silver lining into the second heaven, through the second heaven into the expanse, through the expanse into the third heaven. That what the Lord is saying Sunday is welcome to the expanse. You need to breathe in light to be able to partake of the glories of the next transition that's coming into uh, the third heaven. The third heaven, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, you know, Paul will speak of. You know, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. Uh, I've got a podcast on this. You can listen to it. It's called Tesseract about going into the second heaven through the silver lining years ago. Now we've come up to the expanse, which is a transition between the second and the third heaven. And that, that there's a new breathability or a new light that must be taken to come into this environment. Uh, and I think that that's what the Lord meant in a natural sense, speaking of fibrosis as it relates to uh, hemoglobin in our body. Again, there's a literal sense in this um, that, you know, I've, I've pointed out. And then there's a spiritual sense of this, which I pointed out. And so don't let those two, we can move from, you know, literal uh, into spiritual. And also there's a literary sense in this. And I'm not going to go into all this, but in uh, J.R.R. Tolkien's Silmarillion, you can begin to, if you wanted to read that, it's, it's like the preface to The Lord of the Rings. He deals with a place called the Grey Havens, and the Grey Havens being a port city that allows you to go to Valinor, Valinor being a place of immortality for the elves. Uh, Frodo's going to go there to be healed. And so there's a literary sense of looking at this. There's also, back in the literal sense, there's a biological sense that we can look at this, that 
you heard uh, Dr. Vickery speak of an R2 RNA off the cuff, yes, but there's a sense of transformation in the 22 letters related to the 22 amino acids uh, in the human body. Now, what am I saying in all this? You want this transformation. You want this sanctification in your life. Uh, what we're embarking on is eventually going to be related to glory and to glorification. I sent this out, and I'm going to make a like a suggestion to this that I ordered a book by Haley Jacob that has a four by N.T. Wright called Conform to the Image of His Son, and it's reconsidering uh, Paul's theology of glory in Romans. Uh, we got started into that, and um, it is it is an academic book. It's not overly academic. I mean, having a a little bit of understanding of Greek and some German and other languages are helpful with it, but you could still read it if you wanted to. Um, I put it on Facebook Messenger uh, where you could order it off Amazon. But I was saying to the place of why am I that the Lord has us on a process through our spiritual maturity, being conformed to the image of God through the bridal paradigm, through sonship. That is the, the nine kings of the southern kingdom that Joshua and his conquest goes through, through the northern kingdom, which has to do with the 22 letters that we're speaking of, that we are in the, uh, in a ministry right now, we're in the 13th letter called the Mem. The Mem means king over the water. So this king over the water has to do with, uh, I believe this expanse or the separation between the two waters and then on to throneship that the Lord would begin to exhibit glory through the, uh, through the church, through his people, that we would be made white without spot or wrinkle. And all right, well, I hope that blesses you today, and uh, we'll keep on unpacking this. I'm sorry that things like with this Evernote, I'm going to get this figured out where I can do this, where it'll be uh, put together. All right, bless you today.